Excellent. So, great. Yes, I can see some faces. Give me a wave, everyone. Yes, we're making it there. Praise the Lord for technology. Thank you, Megan, Megan for reading that passage. Um, now, let me collect my thoughts as we preach. And what I'll do is I will pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your holy word. We thank you that it is powerful. It is life-changing. And Lord, that is what we're asking you for today. And Lord, I pray that each of our hearts will be asking that, Lord, not just me as I say this prayer, Lord, but each of our hearts will be asking for our lives to be changed, the power of your word being ministered by your Holy Spirit, Lord. We're not gathered physically together, but we are together, Lord. We can hear. Fortunately, we can see. We've just had these technical difficulties, Lord, but we, Lord, we're wanting to honor and glorify your name. We want our lives to be changed, Lord, that you have received much glory from us. And so we ask simply that that would happen in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, um, a few years back, I was um, um, flying into Egypt, actually. And uh, what happened, I was uh, meeting with someone and I didn't know who the person was I was going to meet, who was, uh, was going to pick me up. I was with a, an organization there that was working uh, to bring, um, yeah, God's word um, into that area. And I was meeting someone who I'd never met before and who I was going to stay with. And it's a very strange thing when you walk into an airport and you're trying to find someone and they're trying to find you, but you don't know what each other look like. And if you miss them, then uh, you're on the streets in Egypt, in Cairo. <laughs> and uh, my Arabic wasn't very good at all at that point in time. Um, but you know what happened? I found this person. And uh, for me, I share that story with you because that for me is an image of what I'm wanting us to work towards. You know, here in what um, Megan has just read for us, we're talking about coming to meet the Lord. And uh, what Kyle preached from in uh, chapter 4, verse 13 through to 18 last week, you know, what is happening now is, um, I might just ask, sorry, James, can you just um, adjust that light so it's not so much my fate? I'm looking quite red. That's better. <laughs> Does that look better, everyone? Yes. <laughs> I don't look quite so sick now. And you can still see me well. That's good. Um, thanks, guys. So, yeah, that's an image. I, I remember resolving my heart uh, a few years back. And, and this is something that I'm wanting to work towards myself. And, and I encourage you as well. But I remember realizing, wow, one day, and, the, you know, we all know this, but I remember really reflecting on it. And then I just realized, so true. One day, I'm going to be face to face with my Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember thinking, what am I going to feel? What am I going to think? And as I reflect, one of the things that came out of that reflection for myself was this. When I see Jesus face to face, I don't want to just see him and say, oh, great. Now I know what you look like. I want to be able to say, you know what, Jesus Christ, I've never met you before, but you are familiar to me. You are familiar to me, even though I've never met you before. What you do, how you act, how you speak, it's familiar to me. And I know you, even though I've never met you, I know you. And that's what I want for each of us, for everyone, that we, when we meet Christ, we say, I've never met you, but you are very familiar to me, very familiar. So as we work through this passage, um, we can see here, first couple of verses, this um, theme of the thief in the night. Um, so uh, Paul writes, verse 1, Now concerning the times and the season, seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
Are you aware that that is how Christ is going to come? As a thief in the night? If you've got your Bibles, open up and uh, flip to Luke chapter 12. And keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians. And we're actually going to work a bit from Luke chapter 12 from this passage. And in 1 Thessalonians. Let me read to you a few verses from Luke chapter 12. And you'll see how a lot of Paul's terminology in this passage is drawing on what Christ has already taught. Um, so uh, reading here from verse uh, 39 to 40, just two verses, Jesus says this, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready to be, um, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You see how the master of the house, the thief came, broke in, and he wasn't expecting it. And he had, you know, this breaking event. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here. It's going to come like that. Reading on back in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3, he says, While people are saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. There's not going to be an escape for this. They'll be saying, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be fine. Have you heard people who talk like that? Do you talk like that yourself? Peace, security. Look, it's going to be all right. I'm talking here in the context of, this, of the coming of Christ. Do you hear people talk like that? Is that how you talk about Christ coming yourself? Beware so that you're not caught among those when sudden destruction comes. Do you know what? I was talking with some of you will know uh, a girl who goes to, um, or a lady, very lovely lady, Jemima Cummings, who goes to our Elton campus. I was chatting with her and she's a midwife. And she was just relating to me uh, some of the stories of her midwifery and uh, her experience. And she said, uh, you know what, um, and uh, Emma, you'll be relating to this as well. <laughs> but she said, you know what, I've been, I've been uh, helping a, a woman in labor. She was in labor, giving, in the process of giving birth to a child. And she suddenly said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And she started just tearing things off, you know, that were measuring the heart rate of the baby and, and started to walk out of the room. And you just think, what? what you're done you're walking out like you can't avoid this you can't run away from giving birth right now and she was like no i'm done i'm finished this is too much i'm packing up you know there are people who are going to react like that when christ comes it will come upon them like sudden disruption they'll be like oh, this is not happening like there's a denial that is how christ is going to come like a thief in the night it's interesting though, he goes on in verse 4 and you read, he says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Isn't that interesting? Didn't he just say the Lord will come like a thief in the night? And now he's saying it's not going to come like a thief in the night. So is it or isn't it? <laughs> I remember thinking about this and I was thinking maybe I should put a poll up and uh, get everyone on uh, Zoom to poll if they think he will, will come like a thief in the night. Or think he won't come like a thief in the night and see what we think. You know what? The answer is he will come like a thief in the night and he will also not come like a thief in the night. He will do both, but it depends on where you're at as to how he will come for you. You are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Let's head back to Luke chapter 12 and I'm going to read a few verses earlier in that passage that explain the Lord's coming to, for people when it's not like a thief. This is verse 35 of Luke 12. 
stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. And then it goes on again to talk about the master being broken into like a thief in the night. So you've even seen Jesus teaching, he comes to people who are awake and people who are sleeping. And Paul draws that out later in this passage. So moving on here, um, Paul then says, you're not in darkness. You're actually in light. And why is that? Verse five, you are all children of the light and children of the day. I'll read through a few verses here and listen for some contrasting words in these verses, right? Verse five, you are children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong the day, let us be sober. You see those contrasting words, light, darkness, night, day, drunk, sober, awake, sleep. Where are you? On what side are you? You're a child of the light. But it's interesting. Reflect on it. Paul gives a command there. If you notice that in verse six, let us not sleep. We are children of the light. Each one of us is a child of the light. If we have believed that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and that is how he will come to us to save us. Paul talks later on in this passage, we'll get there to, about the hope of salvation. He is going to come to save us, to rescue us. You are a child of the light, but the commandment here in the passage is do not sleep as others do. Do you know what? If you're a child of the light, right? If you live in the light in the day, but you're sleeping, everything's as darkness to you, isn't it? It's like nighttime because you're sleeping. So you can be a child of the light, but asleep, and you're as good as darkness. So the question is, are you asleep or are you awake? Is this a time? I'm getting close. Is this a time where you need to wake up? That's between you and the Lord. I don't need to know. Well, you know, if you need me to be a part of that process, if you need someone else to wake up, call out, put your hand up. But if you're recognizing now that you need to wake up, no one else can do that for you. You've got to do it for yourself. How do we know if we are sleeping or if we're not? Turn with me back to Luke chapter 12. Verse, um, um, that passage from 35 to 40, right? And Jesus starts off and he's talking about these servants who are awake, staying for the return of their master. They're ready to open the door when he comes in. They don't know exactly when he's going to knock, you know, the second, the third watch of the night, but they're, they're awake. They're not sleeping. They haven't fallen asleep and they're ready. And they unlock the door, right? So I'm describing to you here how to discern if you're sleeping or awake. Now notice when he talks about becoming a thief in the night here, how he doesn't talk about a thief in the, those, he, does, he changes, he changes his metaphors here. Notice that he doesn't say, I will be like a thief in the night to those servants who are sleeping. 
No, he says, I'll be like a thief in the night to the master of the house. Do you see that? In the first parable, we're servants. In the second parable, we're masters. In the first parable, Christ is a master. In the second parable, he's a thief. Do you see the changes there? So if we act as servants, he will come like our master. If we act as a master ourselves, he will come like a thief. Do you see that? So the question for each one of us, are you acting like a servant or are you acting like a master? Brothers and sisters, let me say to you, this is really important for you to consider. There are many things happening in your life. I, I, I cannot understand or know everything that's happening in everyone's life. That's not my role. That's God's to do that. But I know that each one of us have got big things on. You might be, you know, going through VCE, <laughs> you know, in COVID. You might be starting back up in your workplace. You might have um, job and financial pressure. You might just be, you know, um, like Ben, you know, your team lost last night or your team won last night. I don't know. You've got other pressures that you're facing. Let me say to you, consider this. Let it rise in supremacy of importance in your life. Are you acting like a servant or acting like a master? Is everything in your house, your physical house where you're sitting right now, are you the master of all of that? Or you're simply using those things in your house as a servant for your own master? Are you being faithful with that? Because when you act like a master, you're not going to know the thief. <laughs> you don't know someone who robs you. People rob random people. They don't rob friends generally. <laughs> but this thief, you're not going to know. And you remember Christ's words. He said, people come knocking at the door. Let us in. Didn't we do all these things for you? Didn't we serve? Brothers and sisters, I want to warn you. Take this to heart today for your sake. Take it to heart. You're not going to be able to say, wow, look, didn't we help the church go through COVID? You know, Lord, that's what we were doing. We were, we were setting up all this stuff. We were, we were doing these things or, you know, I was serving this fashion. I was, I was in the band or, or I was, you know, contributing this way. I called these people up. It's not going to count. Do you know Christ? That's the only thing. Because if you don't know him, if you're acting like a master, even though you've got this outward appearance of serving, in the church, if you're acting like a master of your own life, again, that's between you and the Lord, then he's going to come like a thief. You'll be in darkness. You'll be a child of the light who's fallen asleep. But if from the heart, if from your inner place, you are seeking to serve, you are seeking to love, then from that place, you will be ready. You'll be awake for your master return and you'll open the door when he comes and you'll be so glad to see him. You'll, be, you'll say, I know you. I've never met you, but you are familiar to me because you've served him. You see, a servant that wants to know what his master wants. When you're serving your master, you're, you're looking at the detail of him. You know, a bad, an average servant will be, yeah, I'll do what he tells me to do. But a good servant, you know, if you're a boss in the workplace, someone who works for you well, they'll be anticipating what you need to do. They'll be working in front of you. You won't need to say anything and they'll know what you need prepared in order to do the job that you've got coming up. That's a good servant in that workplace. Are you like that with your Lord Jesus? Or are you just like that in your workplace with your boss? Because you can serve your boss really well. But if you're not serving the Lord, that's not going to help you on the last day. And I think like this is clear from this passage. Please take this to heart and do something about it for your sake.
And if you're already living it out, praise God, you're awake. Stay awake, as Paul says. Let me read to you this proverb. Um, Proverbs chapter 6. And this is verse 9 to 10. And um, uh, 9 to 11, sorry. Let me just flip the pages here. Proverbs 6. Reminds me of being in the supermarket and trying to open one of those plastic bags without being able to lick your fingers. Just hilarious. I've had a, a lady laugh at me so hard doing that. So, Proverbs 6, verse 9 to 11. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and what? And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man or like a thief in the night. He's talking about, you know, practical, like physically falling asleep here. He's talking about being physically, you know, like having these things happen, poverty coming upon you, a, a poverty of your, your wealth. But you can clearly see it applies just as much spiritually. If there is a sluggard out there today, I want to speak to you. Wake up. Wake up for your sake. Let's continue on in First Thessalonians. I've got to flick back there now. I've got the same problem. <laughs> I don't know how I was getting to Luke so quickly. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5. Paul continues on here. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Do you see here, um, and these will be familiar to a breastplate, helmet of salvation, like Ephesians 6. This is the armor of God, but it's a bit different. It's not the breastplate of righteousness, but you can see here how these thoughts uh, are, are coming together for Paul. But see here, verse 8, we belong to the day. Let us be sober, having put on the blessed plate. So if you want to know, if you're sober and not acting like a spiritual drunkard, have you put on these things, the breast, the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet for the hope of salvation? Let me unpack this just briefly. This is showing us that we need protection. If you want to be ready, if you want to be equipped, if you want to be awake, you need to protect yourself. How are you going to be able to do that? There's three things here. Faith, love, hope of salvation. Faith, what is faith? If you believe, if you believe what your master says, his promises will come alive. Ben was praying earlier. All the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ. Let me give you an example of this. If, if you believe Psalm 1, right, where it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. If you truly believe that, you're going to do something about it. And it will change your life. And you receive the fullness of your promise. You receive being a tree planted by that water because you believe in it. Faith brings alive the promises of God, which we find in Scripture. Love. 
if we love, we will be obedient to God. 1 John 5, 3 talks about how as we love, this is the love of God, to obey his commands. If we love our Father, we'll be obedient, right? You'll put into practice the commands of God, of your master. And you see those two things. Wow, that is going to protect you so well. If you've got faith and you're believing in the promises of God, you'll see them come a reality. And two, if you're obeying his laws, wow, what a life. I want to see that. I want to live like that. Do you? Are you taking up the breastplate of faith and love for your protection to be prepared for the coming of your Lord and the helmet of the hope of salvation, placing this on? Are you placing your hope that you're going to be saved on the day of Christ's return, that he is going to come back and rescue you? We can hope for many things and it's right to hope for many things. Maybe you're hoping last night that the cats would win or that the tigers would win. Maybe you're hoping that you're going to get a job. Maybe you're hoping for something else, a good result in your VCE for you guys who are doing that. Maybe you're hoping for COVID to finish and next year to be fine. We can hope for many things, but do you hope for your salvation above all? Because if you're hoping for this above all, then that will drive you. It will affect how you live. Test yourself, brothers and sisters, by the scripture. And he goes on here and he says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that you are a child of the light. This is what God has destined you for. This is what he has appointed you to. Not for wrath. It's not for that, but it is for salvation. This is yours in Christ Jesus. Walk in it. You see here, he talks here, whether we are awake or asleep, and I'll point out briefly that Paul here is using the word sleep in different ways. Earlier in chapter 4, as Kyle was taking us through last week, you'll see he was talking about those who have fallen asleep. That's those who have died in Christ, as it says in that passage. But here it's a different kind of sleep. Um, in much of chapter 5, he's talking about not being spiritually awake and ready for Christ's return. You don't want to be asleep. But here again in verse 10, he's saying, whether we are awake or asleep, Christ, we want the Christ, uh, we will live with Christ, right? So whether we have, we have died in Christ or whether we are living upon his return, he will come for those and we will live with him. Isn't that amazing that he has died for us? He died for you. Do you believe that? If you believe it, it's going to do something to you that you can live with him. What a sacrifice. Look around at the people in your home right now. Did any of them die so that you could live with them? There may have been one who has given you birth and gone through labor so that you could live with them. And that is an impressive thing. But to die so that you can live with them. That's what your master has done and he loves you. So, Let's finish with verse 11. It says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Are you doing that? Are you building other people up and encouraging them in their faith that they continue to walk on in the Lord? I'm going to close this in prayer, and then I'm going to hand over to Ben. Heavenly Father, we need your help. We need your help. Because without your help, it is impossible for us to be saved. Without your help, it is impossible for us to have faith. Without your help, it is impossible for us to have love or even 
a salvation that we can hope in, Lord. But with these things, Lord, we can be sober. We can be awake. We can be prepared for your coming. And Lord Jesus, today, if anyone is found in their heart of hearts before you, they realize you have opened their eyes to say, wow, I've been the master of my life. I've not submitted as a servant to my Lord Jesus. Even though maybe outwardly it looks like I have, it's not going to count for it on the day because what's going to count is if I know Christ. Lord, if there is any of us in that place, I thank you. I thank you for revealing that now, that they have seen that before the final day, whether it's them falling asleep or whether it's Christ's return, but before the final day where they have no more opportunity to make a decision, Lord, to change. Lord, thank you for helping them to see that. And I ask, Lord, that they would turn in humility to you, in servitude, saying, how can I know how to serve my Lord Jesus? And Lord, I ask that you would also impart just a revelation and understanding of the love of Christ, of God, which you have revealed in Christ Jesus, that he has died for us, Lord, and that the servant wouldn't be a service wouldn't be a burden, but a joy, a delight in our lives. And then when you come back, Lord Jesus, may we all together just say, wow, I know you. Like I've never met you. I don't, you don't look anything like those paintings that I saw when I was on earth. But I know you. I've never, you, you are so familiar to me and I, I want to worship you. But you, as the scriptures declare, declare, if we are awake and we open the door to you, you will come in and you will serve us and we will recline at the table. God, how does that work? What a God we have. What a master who would serve us like that. Lord, may we be found to serve you because of how you serve us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this precious gift. In the name of Christ. Amen.